Well, last week, we learned about Philadelphia. What's that mean? Brotherly love. We were given an imperative, a command, let brotherly love continue. One may have thought a sermon on love would be warm and fuzzy, a sermon that would make everyone feel good. But upon reflecting on the biblical definition of love, it was actually a much harder message to hear than expected because love requires sacrificing for people, serving people who probably really hurt you. We looked at Romans chapter 12, let love be without hypocrisy, abhorring evil, clinging to what is good, being kindly affectionate one to another in brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfast in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, and given to hospitality. Hospitality, I didn't do a lot on that one last week because I knew I would have to cover it here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse number two. Do not forget to entertain strangers for by so doing, some have unwillingly entertained angels. Entertain strangers, what? Like street performance? You know, get out and do a little song and a dance and juggling act for some strangers? Well, some versions say show hospitality to strangers. Now, hospitality, we know, is means friendliness, generosity, and that's an English word we're very familiar with. However, when we think of someone with the gift of hospitality, we might think about, you know, opening up your home and providing a meal. But often our hospitality is extended towards people we know and like, people we already have relationships with, friend groups, cliques. And for the record, there is nothing wrong with having friends and doing things with people we like and they like us and we have fun and we bond. I'm all for that. Build community and build each other up. Be loyal and enjoy fellowship. We want and we need fellowship within the church. It's one of the four things the early church continued in, according to Acts 2.42, continuing in doctrine, prayers, communion, and fellowship. The Greek word there is koinonia. It means joint participation, sharing, almost a pledge of fellowship. I'll tell you, it's actually easier to lead the church to do the other three. Fellowship is the hardest of the four with our prayer time on Sunday morning and our Thursday night intercessory prayer ministry and our prayer chain. We're intentional about prayer. With two services, uh, having biblical teaching, countless classes, Bible studies, we are committed to doctrine. Weekly communion, Mr. Neville usually leads us on. We are steadfast in breaking bread. Fellowshipping is a little harder to facilitate because it requires more time and group effort. Some people are very happy attending the worship service and then just quickly exiting the building. See you next week, Pastor. Fellowship requires time and attention, interaction and involvement, opening up and sharing. We've been bringing lots of new members as of late, just as we did this morning. And uh, that's exciting. And uh, it's, it's great to have more people attending 
but are we fellowshipping together? Are we getting to know one another? Are people feeling like they're being included? And are people making the effort to show up and get involved? It's everyone's responsibility to make the fellowship happen. It's something we're going to have to keep working on in 2024. But in order for fellowship to grow, in order for friendships to form, someone has to step up and show hospitality, which is more than inviting your friends over. The Greek word here in Hebrews chapter 13, 2 is philoxenos, best interpreted love for strangers. Love for strangers is a very specific act. It's a special kind of love. It's a love without any strings attached, a giving which will provide you no immediate benefits, stretching yourself and taking a chance, inviting a new family over for a meal, hosting a small group and inviting whoever wants to show up and not knowing who's going to come, coming up with a new ministry for people and you have no clue who they are. You know, our grief share ministry, that was a huge step of faith for Diane Shellhammer. She had no clue who was going to show up when she started that, but what a blessing it was to minister to grieving people and make new friends. Hannah does the open night tacos for the teens, and she never knows who's coming, just whoever wants to eat tacos. Surprise, more of these people don't show up for open night taco night. CEF, that's very much a love of strangers ministry. You know, start a club, no idea which children are going to show up, do you, Bernard? Jennifer uh, Foxworthy's Unstoppable You conferences with the makeovers. That's a love for strangers. In the past, we've gone to D.C. and handed out coats and blankets uh, to people in their communities. And of course, the WARM program starting this week, Jen and Derek and their team showing love for strangers. Phil Oxenos. So it's more than just brotherly love. It's another type of love that the author says the church needs to engage in. Uh, Pastor Rob, did you forget it's December 24th? Where's the Christmas message? Well, this is in the Christmas story, isn't it? Turn to Luke chapter 2. You know this one so well, you probably could recite it from memory. Luke chapter 2, verse number 1, And it came to pass in those days that a decree came out from Caesar Augustus that all the world would be registered. This census first took place in, when Quirinius was governor over Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to their own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee to, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called... Bethlehem, because he was of the house in the lineage of David to be registered with Mary as a betrothed wife who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to deliver. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. No room, no hospitality was found for the newborn king. What a missed opportunity for someone to earn major points with the king of heaven. Think about it. I remember my first grade Sunday school teacher, Mary Sharp, older widow lady. She had us all over to her house for a Sunday school Christmas party. There was snacks and treats 
and she gave us all a gift. And I even remember the gift. It was one of these, a ripcord race car. Anybody remember? Oh, it's not coming up on those screens. Turn around, look at the back. Oh, no, wait. There it is. Who remembers these old people in here? Remember the ripcord race cars, right? It was probably like eight to 10, you know, six-year-old boys, our ripcord race cars running all over her living room. Now, I was in Sunday school my whole life, and I can't name all my teachers, but I remember Mary Sharp because she was the only teacher who had us all over to her house for a Christmas party. And last month when I was up in Canada and my dad and I were driving around the county, we were driving along the River Valley and I, we drove by this place and I said, that's Mary Sharp's house. Mary Sharp has been in heaven for over 20 years now. I have no clue who owns that house and who lives there. But in my mind, that's Mary Sharp's house. That kind, sweet Sunday school teacher who gave me a ripcord race car when I was six years old. Little six-year-old Robbie never forgot dear old Mary Sharp. I still think fondly of her 46 years later because of her hospitality. Imagine if you would have been the person who opened their home up to a desperate couple on the night the Son of God was born. Imagine if you would have been the person who cared for Mary and got her clean sheets and water and cleaned up the blood and the mess and got baby Jesus a warm place to sleep. You'd be retelling your neighbors, last week some girl had a baby in my living room in the middle of the night. And then they left and you never saw that baby again until the day you passed away and you opened your eyes in the presence of God and you saw that baby again. But he's now a grown man and he's also the son of God, the king of the universe. And you don't recognize him, but he recognizes you. And he says, hey, remember the night that poor scared girl birthed a kid in your living room and bled all over your floor and you cleaned it all up? That was my mom and I was that baby. And guess what? buddy. You don't have to worry about where you're going to spend the rest of eternity. I got you, brother. You took care of me when I was helpless and had nothing. And now, welcome. Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Imagine what it would be like to be that person. Talk about winning the lottery. But that scene never happens because there was no hospitality found for baby Jesus the night he was born. Somebody in Bethlehem missed out on a huge blessing, didn't they? Sure did. Mary and baby Jesus really could have used some hospitality, some philoxenos love for strangers that night. I wonder if a pregnant girl showed up to your door tonight, would she find a place to stay? You can say, oh, I gladly let baby Jesus stay with me, but what if you don't know it's Jesus? It's just some needy person, someone in a hard place. Would they find any strange, stranger love at your door? Okay, Pastor Rob, you're just emotionally manipulating us. Jesus has already been born. Virgin Mary's not going to show up at my door. So there's no big eternal blessing for helping baby Jesus. There's just messy, dangerous people out there. So why would I want to chance having some stranger, some potential weirdo in my home? Okay, so true. Pregnant Mary and baby Jesus in the womb are not going to show up at your door. But 
but there is the possibility that the person in need may be an angel, as we see here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse number two. Do not forget to entertain, show hospitality to strangers, for by doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Maybe it's a divine test to see if you will show the love. It happened in the Old Testament with Abraham and with Lot and with Samson's dad, Manoah. Angels showed up, kind of looked like regular guys. Abraham, Lot, and Manoah offered them food and shelter, but they had a message, a blessing from the Lord with them for those families. The author's point is there's always the possibility that the stranger is an angel with a blessing, a word from the Lord for you, and you could simply miss it because you have no time and no love for strangers. He says here, some have shown hospitality to angels, the host of heaven unaware. We have a funny relationship with angels. Christmas time, we're all about them, right? Decorate our homes, sing about them, dress our children up like them. But after the holidays, we pack them up with our Christmas decorations and we put them out of our minds. But according to Hebrews chapter 13, they're still all around. They're ministering, ministering spirits walking among us. And you never know. Scripture says they're out there. But even if you never meet an angel, and of course you're never going to host pregnant Mary and there's giving birth to baby Jesus in your home, you know what other strangers are out there that are important to God? All the rest of his creation. All the rest of his children. There are all these people out there every day, many times in need, and sometimes it's been me. I've been out there in need. Back when I had a motorcycle, I was on Loveville Road, and the bike died, and I was like, uh-oh. Opened up my gas tank, and I was out of gas. I said, come on, are you kidding me? I'm such an idiot. No sooner I thought that than a pickup truck pulled behind me, and buddy says, you okay? I says, ah, oh, I ran out of gas. He said, I got you. Drove off. Five minutes later, he came back with a can of gas. I was up and running. And I said, can I get your number? I want to send you some money for that. And he said, nah, it's just good to help people. And he drove off. I wasn't the angel. That day, I was the child of God in need. And God used that dude to help me out. Back in 2004, Ileana and I went to Boston to preview this seminary, Gordon Cromwell. We didn't have a lot of money, but the school had people who were willing to let us stay in their home for free for the preview weekend. So we stayed with this nice couple who we'd never met before. They just opened up their home to us. While we were in Boston, there was this huge rain and all of the septic systems had all backed up and we were out driving around in this parking lot and the whole drainage was backed up and uh, the water was so deep it caused a mechanical failure to our van, sucked water up into the air intake valve and blah, 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 I don't know what else that means, but we were just stuck and it broke down in Boston. So I got a toad, and of course, nobody could look at it that day. We had to stay an extra day in Boston. And this couple who uh, we were staying with said, no, you can't stay with us. We only signed up for two days. Get out. No, of course, they didn't say that. They were so kind and understanding. And they said, as long as you need to stay, you can stay here with us. And we stayed an extra night and found out the next day that the 
car was going to take a few days to fix. And Ileana's like, Rob, we need to get out of here. Uh, the kids are back home and we can't stay here any longer. So we had to rent a car and drive back to Canada. But that couple, their hospitality was huge. We were in a bad spot, but they helped us out. Their love for strangers was life saving for us at that time. My point is life is hard and chaos is inevitable for everyone. And God says, these are opportunities to show people love on my behalf, even especially strangers. Strangers can be God's children. So just like King Jesus needed some help the night he was born, all the rest of God's children out there, they're going to need some help at some time too. So in light of that, we had five different ministries communicate with us some needs here at the end of the year. Missions organary, missionary organizations that we already support, we who are out there ministering to strangers, they said to us, we have these extra needs we really could use some help with. And since God has been so generous with us, Faith Bible Church, and since it is within our power to help, the elders on your behalf decided to break the budget and show some love. And last month, we did an extra $35,000 worth of missionary special donations to help show love and share the gospel. And I won't tell you about all of them, but I did want to share this one because it ties into this passage. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourself are in the body also. So one of the missionary organizations that we support, that we gave an extra gift to, Good News Prison Ministries, is a... Uh, organization that we have on our books. Uh, Patrick, our new uh, missionary director, and I had lunch with President uh, John Evans, and John shared with us this need. At Christmas time, inmates who have families often get Christmas gifts sent to them, but inmates who have been forgotten or abandoned by families and friends get nothing, and often that makes them feel very alone and unloved, abandoned and depressed, and even hostile to fellow prisoners who did receive a gift. But Good News Prison Ministries came up with an idea. Just like the shoeboxes that we send out through Samaritan's Purse, they found that by giving an inmate a Christmas gift creates a wonderful opportunity to share the gospel with them. And at a time when these people are feeling very unloved, by having a gift give to them, it touches their heart to let them know that God has not forgotten them. So Patrick and I were like, wow, that's cool. And then John said, but wait, there's more. We actually have a donor who is doing a matching program. For every dollar you give, he's going to match it. So that way we can do twice as many gifts. And since we are supposed to have love for strangers. And since we are to remember prisoners as if chained with them, we thought, let's give to this. So we're trying to be faithful to these commands and show the love. And thank you for your generosity and the trust that you've given the leadership of this church that we have the opportunity and we have the resources at our disposal to do these things. Because none of us could give $35,000 by ourselves, but collectively we are able to do so many great things together. But love for strangers is not just the missionary's job, now is it? No, it is all of our job to show Phil Oxenos. Those people are strangers to us, but not to God. 
They are His children, His creation. And often I think of that. One evening, it was raining, and this lady was off on the side of the road trying to change her tire, and she had kids in the car. And I, I pulled over and said, here, let me. And it's not really that I like getting wet and dirty and changing tires. One of the reasons why I did that is I think, well, if it was my wife stuck on the side of the road with a flat tire at night in the rain, I really hope some good guy would keep her safe and help her out. If it was your daughter, if it was your son who didn't have a place to spend the night, you'd be very grateful that someone took the time to give them a hand. Well, they're all God's children. And I'm telling you, he really appreciates it when you show them some love and give them some philoxenos. Now, there are some reasons why we don't. One would be, like I said earlier, the need for safety. We are afraid that someone could be a dangerous person. Someone could be crazy. We could be pulled into someone's drama and end up getting hurt. That would no doubt be a legitimate concern and a very real possibility. We have an expression we say around here a lot. Hurt people hurt people. Meaning if someone is dealing with crisis and trauma, they're going to be explosive and reactionary. I've used this analogy. Imagine someone has secondary burns all over their skin and you reach out to try to help them or comfort them or hug them, but very, the very act of touching them is painful, so they yelp in pain. And every time you try to touch them, it hurts them. And that's what people who are hurting are like. They're hypersensitive because of the trauma, the past offenses, the stress they're experiencing. It's hard for them to trust or even receive love. And they might hurt you while you're trying to help them. We can't be scared of that. Jesus tells us perfect love casts out fear. To be obedient to this command to show love to strangers, you're going to have to overcome fear. Another reason why we don't want to practice love for strangers is we haven't organized ourselves in such a way that we've made intentional time to do so. We've already put so much on our plate, it would be inconvenient to stop and help. I'm already running late. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, the priest and the Levite passed the man beaten and left on the side of the road dead, possibly because they were afraid that other robbers were nearby, but probably because they were traveling someplace and they didn't want the inconvenience. They didn't want to change their schedule and disrupt their plans. Now, the cool thing about for us here at Faith Bible Church is because we have so many ministries and programs that do show love to strangers, we do not have to reinvent the wheel and try to figure out what could I possibly even do to help strangers, you know? Talk to Rich and Brenda at the mission. Talk to Bernard about CEF. Go talk to Corey and the Faith Builders Ministry and where they're going. Man, they're going to the Appalachian again this, uh, this summer. Talk to Jen Foxworthy about the people unstoppable you they're trying to help. Go maybe do some visiting at the veterans home or the nursing's home or do a Bible study in the jail. You could send letters to prisoners. They love getting letters, don't they? Don Hess does a chaplain ministry at the local hospital and he's over there doing that. There are all these things going on around here that are opportunities to show love to strangers. You just got to organize yourselves and be intentional about setting up a time to be part of it. Or here's another idea. This one's even easier and maybe more fun. People are saying to me all the time, I look around on a Sunday and there's all these people here at church that I don't even know. Well, that's a pretty safe place to start. 
introduce yourself to someone and say, hello, fellow Faith Bible Church attendee. I don't know who you are. I would like to invite you over for dinner. I want to show you some philoxenos and have you over to my house. You might get a no thank you, but someone in here will take you up on that. Shoot, when I was a single youth pastor, anyone invited me over for dinner, I went. Because I didn't like to cook, and I didn't like being alone, and I'd always accept that offer to go get a meal. Maybe invite someone who's single. My mom told me when she was living here for five months, she says, when you're single, it's hard to find people who want to do things with you. It's not just people out there who are hurting. So many people in here are hurting too. So many people in here feel like strangers and need a friend. So this is very much, Hebrews chapter 13 is very much a Christmas message, don't you think? Kind of reminds me of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Ebenezer Scrooge is too cold and heartless to care for the plight of his fellow man. Dickens wrote that in 1844, dealing with the attitudes and social issues plaguing Britain, and it still rings true today in 2023. Dickens uses the ghost and the fate of the lonely grave to rehabilitate Scrooge, but when we look at Scripture, that's not even harsh enough. According to Jesus, the consequences of neglecting the command to love strangers is damning. Look at Matthew chapter 25 for a moment. Turn to Matthew chapter 25. Verse number 31. Jesus gives us this scenario. Matthew 25, 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the glory of the angels with him and he sits at the throne of his glory and all the nations will gather before him and he will separate them from one another as a, sheep, a shepherd divides his sheep from his goats and he will say, set the goats on his right hand, or the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me sick and you visited me a prisoner and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry, feed you thirsty and give you drink? And when were you a stranger that we took you in and naked, we clothed you? Or when were you sick or in prison, we came to you? And the king will answer and say, as surely I say to you, as much as you did it for the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And those also, he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty. You gave me no drink. I was a stranger. You didn't take me in naked. You didn't clothe me sick and in prison. You didn't visit me. And they will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick and in prison and didn't minister to you? And he'll answer, surely I say to you as much as you do not do to one of the least of these you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishments, but the righteous, everlasting life. Well, that's so much scarier than Dickens' ghost of Christmas now, isn't it? Even though this is hard, this is an essential passage for us to listen to, for it shows us how God views things what exactly he values. When we help poor, needy strangers, it's like we're helping him. He takes it very personally. 
Jesus remembers his desperate mother who birthed him in an animal shelter. Jesus remembers being poor, needy baby with nobody, nobody from his chosen nation, the people he called his own, nobody made room for him. And today he's still wondering, would there be any love for me today? Is there room for me in my church? When the hymn writer wrote, the hymn, he put this scene to music. Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me, but in Bethlehem's home there was found no room for thy holy nativity. Heaven's arches rang and the angels sang, proclaiming thy royal decree, but in lowly birth thou didst come to earth in greatest humility. The foxes found rest and the birds their nest in the shade of the forest tree, but thy couch was a sod, O thou Lamb of God, in the deserts of Galilee. Then the hymn writer gives us, the listener, the singer, a chance in the chorus to resolve the conflict and solve the problem. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus. There's room in my heart for thee. Do you have any room for Jesus? Jesus says, when you love one another, when the brotherly love continues and you do the hard serving, when you love the least of these, when you love the strangers, that's how you show him the love. Yes, it's hard. Yes, people are messy. It's a sacrifice. But you're going to wish you did it. Because the last verse of that hymn when the heavens shall ring and the angels sing at the coming to victory, let thy voice call me home, saying, yet there is room. There is room at my side for thee. My heart will rejoice, Lord Jesus, when thou comest and thou callest for me. So just like he told us in Matthew 25, you will stand before God one day. You'll either hear, well done, good and faithful servant, or you'll hear, depart from me, since you had no space for me in your life, there's no room for you here with me. Lord Jesus, we pray that we would understand what Christmas is all about. It's a lot of fun things. There's a lot of good fellowship and friends and family, and those are all important things. But it was all about you coming to sacrifice. You coming to a broken, needy world, so broken and needy there was no room for the creator, the king of glory, the Messiah of a nation. Nation had no interest in him. And Lord, you are our king and you are our Lord. And may we value the things that you value. So prepare our hearts to do it this coming year. Praying in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Faith Bible Church podcast. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit us at faithbiblemd.org.